Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 19th. Today we are reading from the Big Book on page 91, and we will begin with the third paragraph, See Your Man Alone If Possible. Today's readers are Sarah W., reading the 12 steps, Melanie um, C., reading the 12 traditions, followed by Kathleen W., being our first reader, Terry H., our second reader, and uh, the reference number for today is 7741. I'm sorry, the reference number for yesterday, Thursday, June 18th, is 7741. OA's preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through share experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah W. to start reading the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought to prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. Uh, I will now ask Melanie C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Du. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon today. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group has, excuse me, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meaning focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you, have done sh- uh, once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 91, the third paragraph, and I will ask uh, Kathleen W. to start our reading. Thank you. Kathleen, we can't hear you. Can you press star one? This is Kathleen W. from Arizona. Can you recover? Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Okay, great. See your man alone if possible. At first, engage in general conversation. After a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking. Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. If he wishes to talk, let him do so. 
you will thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. If he is not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. If he is in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you, being careful not to moralize or lecture. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades. Get him to tell some of his. So this is this paragraph is about when we're just getting to know someone. Um, you know, to, to get to know them, to see, you know, where they're at and um, if they're ready to start working and going through the steps with us. And um, it says, tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak for himself. So um, I, I, we can initially, you know, um, identify in with the newcomer or the person coming out of relapse and just telling them, you know, sharing our, um, what it was like for us when we were in the food. And... Um, and then it says, you will thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. And it just gives us a better idea, um, you know, where they're at um, by getting to know them, if they're really desperate enough, if they're, um, you know, wanting to really work the steps, seeing where they're at, you know, just getting to know each other. And then... Um, and then it says, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. So we're not even, when I'm working with someone, I go through the, we read the first 164 pages, and then I I have um, something that I follow that takes me through where every step is in the big book, and I go right, right by the book. And um, so we're not even getting into that yet. We're just getting to know um, where this, this person and where they're at. And then it says, um, if his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades. Um, well, <laughs> I was when I was reading this, I can't think of any humorous stories about binging my brains out and isolating and sitting in my laying in my in my bed with the covers over my head and the and the curtains drawn. You know, um, one thing about this disease that's different from alcoholism is. You know, with alcohol, there's probably a lot of funny stories, but with this disease, I can't, I don't have any funny stories. They're very dark and depressing. But, um, and, um, and then, it, and then the, the, the sentence above that um, that I meant to read was, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you. I mean, I, I can certainly identify in with initially talking to someone about all the troubles um, that this, disease has caused me. I have plenty of them. And um, so, you know, I when, it's, when I initially talk to someone, you know, even though we're strangers, we speak the same language. And that's the, the beautiful thing about this program. You know, we can, like I got a call last night from someone I've never met before. And it's like we, we speak the same language. And that's why this program is just so beautiful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Um, who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sarah Hi, Bella. Can I share? I'm sorry. I heard Bella, and I heard someone before Bella. 
Nese. Sarah I'm sorry. Nese. Sarah W. Kim. Ness. Ne- I'm sorry. Nessie. Nessie. Yes. Nessie. Nessie. Thank you. Okay. And um and Kim. We'll start off with Sarah W. Bella. Nessie and Kim G. We'll go in that order. Uh, Sarah W., you're up. Thank you so much, uh, Du. It's good to hear you on the line. Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Um, this is a great paragraph. Um, I guess the thought that I have about it is um, what we're trying to do is promote some kind of trust. And I know for me, I was completely an untrusting person of anybody, myself or anybody else. And I think, um, you know, like like was stated before so beautifully, um, you know, we try to meet this person where they're at um, to really, um, you know, for first of all, for myself to be doing it for the right reason, um, not for any glorification or anything, but for really trying to um, uh, just help another sister or brother in recovery. Uh, to find their way to some some sense of peace, because that's what I've found. And I do have a funny story um, that I like to share, but I also want to say that one of the things that we come in for, many of us, not all of us, but most of us is because of a, you know, we're we're very large and obese. Some of us have been, you know, anorexic. Some of us have been bulimic. So for one thing that happened to me and that I do try to share, because I have had a large weight loss, is oftentimes I will share a picture of myself uh, because in our program, many of us are very large and obese, and you know I've lost over 100 pounds. So, I, you know, I, I will try to show that um, so that they can see the difference from where I've been to where I am now. Um, not for any vain attempt to look, look like I've done this, but the idea that you know, especially if it's a large person themselves, maybe they can um, find some uh, some hope in that. And also, um, I have a humorous story that I like to share sometimes with people is that, you know, I can remember uh, in a previous marriage that I would go up in the room and I would be, you know, my my ex-husband would be watching TV so, so like, uh, you know, focused in. And here I would have this food in the bed with me and I would just turn my face and be stuffing my face with all this food and he would have no idea. And I was very much a sneak eater. Uh, eating in closets, eating in bathrooms, uh, pulling food out of garbage cans. So, you know, um, to express those things and to not also to not look like it and to have a little bit of uh, levity to it is really a good thing. You know, in in the other program that we've we've brought all this stuff from, uh, there is a lot of uh, 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 real laughter and you know fun made of, of all the things that we've done. And we can do that, too, in our program. I mean, some of the things that I've done, you know, having food on the, on the, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the bench with me in the car as I was driving, and one French fry would fall on the floor, and I would be frantically, while I'm driving, the insanity of it, trying to get to that one French fry when all this other food was up. I couldn't leave that one thing. So I guess, you know, I just have to look at it like, you know, how can I meet this person? How can I promote trust? Because, you know, I'm not a trusting, you know, I was not a trusting person. And um, to let that person see my own uh, flawed self that I had with the food, also often helps. 
uh, with connecting us. And with that, I pass. Thank you for, for your service. Thank you, Sarah. Now, Bella, you're up and followed up by Nessa. You're up next. Thank you. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Du, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, it's such a wonderful, wonderful paragraph. We have to remember that we are in a, par- in a paragraph working with others, working with others and not only with myself. And tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experience to encourage him to speak. Yes, it's not about me and about myself to talk in the beginning about the solution and about my recovery. This paragraph gives me enough tools to be able to listen. You know, to be able to listen. And when I am with a newcomer, I have to remember that he feels so miserable. He feels so low self-esteem. He, he is such in a, in a low level of trusting himself. And when I will, if I will come and I will talk about my recovery and about my experience of now living in a, in a different world, you know, it will make an apart between us. He will not, he will not want to continue to listen to me. He will feel, yes, you are something special. I am nothing. And this is not the goal. The goal is to, to understand each other, to be, to understand that it's a we program. It's not a me program. It's not, it's not about pleasing people. It's not about getting, hooray, you are wonderful. It's to listen to him. And now the, you know, a newcomer, he is in a position that he doesn't trust himself, that he is miserable, that he doesn't believe in, in good. So now I have to talk, to talk enough about my drinking habits. Yes, to show him I was there. I had the same experience. Yes, I, 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 I know what you are going through. I was there. And, and today I understand it's nothing to give my ego message. is to pass over, over the message of God. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. I just want to remind everyone there is a three minute timeshare so please be mindful of the time we're going to proceed with nessa nessa and um followed up by kim g hi good morning thank you uh good morning my name is nessa r i am a recovered compulsive overeater in toronto canada um and these are the the very words that um dr saltworth told bill you know he said yes bill you're you're very excited because you found a solution you want to screen the solution out from uh, rooftops and, and help everybody else who out there who's suffering. But by pontificating on the solution, you know, you won't get anywhere. You know, before people are willing to accept a solution, especially one as drastically as this one, as drastic as this one, you know, they need to understand, need to know that you understand their problem, that you understand how they feel, that you understand where they're at. And that's why we talk about ourselves and, and, and our disease first. And, and this is a message for me, too, because 
um, I'm very excited about the solution that eluded me for over four decades. And so now I just want to shout it out to everybody who will listen, but that'll get me nowhere. You know, people need to know that I relate, that I understand what it is like to be in their shoes. And so, um, you know, when I, when, I go to, uh, when I go to meetings and I make it a point in working with others, not only to go to meetings for me, I mean, this is why I'm here today, you know, to hear a message of recovery, but I also make it a point to go to weaker meetings so I can, so I can um, um, carry the message or try to carry the message uh, and share my experiences and hope. And so what I do is when, I, when I'm asked to speak, I, I speak about struggles. I speak about, you know, um, what it used to be like for me without, you know, overly elaborating on it, of course, because I do want to talk about the solution. But I want to know that I want to be able to tell people, you know, I know I, I've lived in your shoes. And so I tell stories of myself because that's the only way people are not going to tune out and say, oh, well, yeah, maybe work for her, but it won't work for me because I'm, I'm terminally unique. Because I, I did that. I mean, how many years did I hear um, people, people suggesting solutions to me or even reasons why I should, you know, gladly implement those solutions like, oh, you know, you have beautiful children, you want to stay healthy and live long and, you know, you need to be there for them and so do this and do that. And all that was just frothy emotional appeal that went in one ear and out the other. Um, it wasn't until I realized, hey, I'm not terminally unique, you know, I see people who have had what I have and, and, and recovered. And so um, I, when, I, when, I go, when I go to meetings, I, I, paint a, I paint a brief picture of what I used to be like, not only the fact that I was 70 pounds heavier, but also that I was, that I was crazy, you know, that I was miserable and angry. And then I try to play, I paint a picture of what my life is like now, not only being in a normal body, but also being of sane mind. And then, and then once, once that, that hook is there, if you want to call it a hook, then I can start talking about the solution. But first, I got to get people to um, know that I understand. Um, and thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Now we'll have Kim G. You're up next. Good morning, Do. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Give them a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit. And I, I broke down the definition of that word sketch. It says, a sketch is a preliminary drawing, giving the essential features without the details. And, and this has really changed my approach to how I talk to a newcomer or even how I tell my story. Because I would get caught up in the details, you know, that I am, that I am a, you know, went through 12 years of Catholic school, that I'm the oldest of three children, I'm a Jersey girl, I've never been married, I don't have children. And let me tell you, I don't know how many people are in line right now, but I probably eliminated 95% of you. So my details of my life is not what I'm trying to relay to you. The sketch is, what about the disease, the allergy of the body, and the obsession of the mind? How can I get you identify in to see whether you want this program, whether you need this program? So I'll talk about going out in the middle of a storm in, in fuzzy slippers to get my binge food because I run out. I'll talk about the torture of being at family gatherings and trying to sneak into the bathroom so that I can binge by myself. I'll talk about waking up being surrounded by rappers because I binged all night. I'll talk about canceling an event because the dress I bought three weeks ago doesn't fit already. I'll talk about swearing off at 11.59 at night, never, ever, ever, ever going to do it again 
and by noon, I'm binging my brains out. I'm talking about going up, waking up two two o'clock in the morning and digging pizza out of the trash or donuts out of the trash or whatever that is for your binge food. I'm talking about not being able to afford my electric bill, but on the way home from work being so stressed, I'm going to spend $100 at the convenience store on my binge food. Now, I'm guessing there's probably 95% of you that can relate to one of those stories. So that's what, what, I, what I changed. I used to think it was telling you about my life. But what I'm trying to give you is a sketch. Do you identify in with the allergy of the body that once you start, you cannot stop? That you can no longer reasonably predict how much you're going to have when you put it in your mouth? And can you relate into the idea, even when you get that willpower, even when you white-knuckle it, that you cannot stop your mind from torturing you, saying, just have one, just have one. You're making way too big a deal out of this. You need that ease and comfort. It's been a bad day. How else are you going to comfort yourself? It's been a great day. How much are you going to, are you going to celebrate? So this approach has changed the way that I approach people. And it's changed the way I've told my story because I would make it so complicated. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Kim. And we'll open it up again for sharing. Who else would yeah. like to share on this program? Paula D. I heard Bas- Paula, some, someone from Israel. Batel. I heard Melissa. Amy G. Amy G. And I heard someone else. Vasa O. Vasa O. Okay, we'll take those and um, we'll start off with Raquel, followed by Paula D., then Melissa, then Amy, then Vasa. We'll start off with you, Raquel, and then we'll, we'll, um, you'll, Paula D., you'll be up. Hi, Boo. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Boo? Yes. Hi, Boo. Thank you for your service. And hello to all my dear brothers and sisters on the line. Um, I want to relate to this. How do you start the story? Somebody already mentioned how um, Dr. Silk was um, uh, uh, straightened Bill out after the six months that he was pulling people off the bar stools and telling them, I have a solution, I have a solution, and how much he invested in trying to help them and it didn't work. Not only did he t- to tell your story and how bad it was, and so they can identify, but he said to him, give it to them hard about how lethal it is and where the road is leading, you know. Maybe now the drunk can still stumble home, but next time, after, because it's a progressive disease, it will get worse, and God forbid he can get run over by, Bill himself said, it's a miracle that he didn't get, get run over by, by early morning trucks and the road back from the, back from the bar. And this, I, I want to mention here, um, if I may, that is one of the hard things about passing this message to uh, compulsive eaters when I try to describe to them or show my picture or, or tell them really some of the horror stories, that they can only identify the, that far because the, the illusion delusion and whatever else you want to name it and the facade that we can keep that our outside still is okay does not come anywhere near to what what really drinking can bring. I know it because having had my gotten my abstinence in NA and AA, 
uh, when I saw that 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 uh, that Ori wasn't getting me there, uh, I I heard the horror stories, and it helped me identify in to see where the road is leading, uh, and, and they don't miss any words, you know. They, and as they say, we end up in jail, we end up in, in the nut house, and, and we end up dead. And we can't say that that clearly because our death is a on an installment plan, and um, and the damages take such a long time. But that's why you know we find here and there people who can really identify right away. But it's far between, and and I am very very lucky when I find myself talking to someone who can look ahead and see, just like he says in the first step in the twelve and twelve. Uh, that first only low-bottom alcoholics could be helped, but then younger people who still have 10, 15 years ahead of them, if you could plant this idea in their mind where the world is leading, and the same, not one week passes that somebody shouldn't be telling me about people uh, having their leg amputated from diabetes, all other kinds of trouble, but, you know, we kind of choose to close our eyes. I'm very grateful for the vision, and I'm very grateful for all of you on the line that I can speak the language of the heart with you. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Paula D., you're up next, followed by Melissa. Paula, start, press star one. Can't still hear you, Paula. Okay, we'll we'll get back to Paula and Melissa room. Yes, Hello? Paula. Here, I am. Here you go. <laughs> I am okay. sorry, Drew. I had the mute button pressed and not the star one. Oh yes, I need instructions, as this book can very well say. Thank you for your help this morning, Drew, in many more ways than one in your service. And this would be Paula D. Grateful, <sighs> grateful. Recovered compulsive overeater by and with the grace of God. We see here, and, uh, and we'll come to this, see your man along. First word it says is see. Look, what do you see? If you don't see where you were, take another look. Then you can drop right down and you don't have to moralize. All lecture. That isn't why we're coming together here. Either one. To be helpful is our only aim. What is being helpful? Position yourself, and that's what it's saying here. Position yourself, not above. Same level. If you think you're above, keep reading the book. But what is our friend? What does our friend say? Dr. Bob, and I'm going to go with the book, big book says, he gave me information oh, about the subject of alcohol, which was doubtfully helpful, of far more importance. This is on page 180. That's where we're going here was the fact that he was the first living human with whom I had ever talked who knew what he was talking about in regard to alcoholism from actual experience. What is experience? It's not an ending. It's a gateway. A gateway to who? From me to you. In other words, he talked my language. What a relief. Why you're there. And you have to be so clear on that. And it says here, if he wishes to talk, let him do so. She said, sounds like ways to engage and make a friend, perhaps. 
Perhaps it is, but it goes far deeper and you know that. But say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. If he is in a serious mood, dwell. Look at, the, look at how we follow. If he's in sick, dwell on the troubles. Look at has caused you. Being careful. Oh, why would we need these words? Because we seem to tend to go into this dramatic. Oh, we do tend to be dramatic. Dramatic. Oh, if you only knew. Well, wait, let me tell you. No. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of escapades. And yes, doesn't Bill say, there is, however, on page 16, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at a seeming wilderness and levity. Yeah, I could tell you some stories. Some of the things and places that I've gone to, let me tell you. And the trouble. The time of night didn't matter. Anybody else would say, but you know what? Another one that's done it? You mean, kid out. You did that too. Yeah. You mean you hid your kid's trick-or-treat candy? Oh, you bet I did. Yeah. See what you're doing? You're bringing yourself next to them, not apart from them. And then they can bring themselves next to you. That's the goal. That's being helpful. Yeah. Remembering. Thank you for allowing me to share with you and for this time. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Now we'll have Melissa and followed up by Amy G. Hi, good morning. Good morning. This is Melissa Stay, a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, I'm laughing right now because, uh, you know, I was just going to share about there is something funny about eating all your kids' Halloween candy. And, um, you know, it wasn't funny at the time, but um, there is some humor in it. What's humorous is that someone else just told my story. And so, you know, there is, for me, a lot of laughter at times when I'm working with new people because there's a huge relief that um, we're not alone in this anymore. And, um, you know, so I love that we're given such um, clear descriptions for how to proceed with new people because I do tend to get carried away and overly excited because I have the answer. But first I need to really let them um, come to their own understanding and um, and see if this really is the answer for them. And uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you very much, Melissa. Amy, you are up next and then followed by Vasa O. Good morning. Thank you, dude, for your service. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland, and, and thank you, everyone. Awesome meeting. Um, you know, we are in the chapter working with others, and, and earlier on page 89, it says here, you know, that very first paragraph, you can secure their confidence when others fail. And, and why is it that I can secure someone's another compulsive, suffering compulsive overeater's confidence? It's because I've been there. As others have said, this is the process of the story of what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. This is a what it is like. What was it like for me? It's the process of identifying in. We are trying to help the compulsive overeater identify in. And that's why we can secure their confidence 
when no one else can. We absolutely have been there. You know, there's that saying, this is a disease that wants to get up in your head, isolate you, and kill you. I don't know about you all, but when I was binging and doing the things that I was doing, I was absolutely sure that no one, absolutely no one, did the same stuff, the same crazy stuff that I did with food. It was only when I walked into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting and I heard people talking and saying things about what they did with food that I realized, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm not from Mars or another planet. Maybe there is hope. There's not only identification first, there's identification and then there's hope. But I can't come at them first with a solution. They're not going to understand it. My most powerful tool that I have in my arsenal to help save another compulsive overeaters life is my story. It is my story of what it was like. And I don't know about you all, but just process of what this is like for me at like at, at a regular, you know, Overeaters Anonymous meeting, you know, if someone comes to a meeting and they, they, they hear the meeting and they come up to me afterwards and they say, you know, uh, would you sponsor me or whatever, I don't assume that what they heard in the meeting that they identify in, I, I set up the time to call, I set up the time to talk to them. If I can talk to them one-on-one right after the meeting, that's fine, or I talk to them on the phone, I'm going to want to listen. I'm still going to want to tell my story. I'm not going to assume that they have identified in. I'm not going to assume that I know until I know. You know, I'm going to listen to what it is that they have to say, and then I'm going to let them tell their story. I'm going to be a listener. Now, if they don't want to communicate like it says here, you know, I'm going to tell more about my story and more about my story. And that's what we do. We don't talk yet. It says here we they don't go into, but say nothing of the moment of how that was accomplished. This is simply the identifying in period of of sharing our stories and listening to them, getting them to open up their eyes and realize, just like I did, there is hope. I am not alone here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll follow up now. Vasa, it's your turn. Vasa, oh. Thank you, Sarah Du. Thank you very much for your service this morning, and good morning, everyone. And I'm Vasa, Recover Compulsive Obita, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. It's a good paragraph. But I remember coming to the program, and I very, very cautiously heard how the program worked. And, uh, like, for example... You know, if a newcomer comes, they go through all the steps, you know, and the format that's, you know, the, the way it's laid out for that meeting. And I love that, like, I'll just read. Really, have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed a path? Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give, the, give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They're such unfortunate. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping, developing a manner, a manner of living, which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do the recovery. They have the capacity to be honest. And I loved listening to the speakers, you know. They would tell this story, you know. I think for me it was really important that these people, they are human beings, you know, working mothers or professionals or doctors or lawyers, you know. And I, I thought those kind of people, they, you know, they did not suffer, you know, with the disease. They had it all together. 
But, you know, we are, some of us are so very, very functional, you know, and we still suffer with diseases. And that was very beneficial for me to, to hear what, hap- what they used to be like, what happened and where they were in their lives. And, um, if, and if you have decided you want what we have and, and are willing to do anything to get it, and then you are ready to take certain steps. And 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 the action, and oh my goodness, you know the you know the, how can you get anything better than studying and going through the big book, the solution, the allergy, the mental obsession, it's all there. And I'm so grateful that I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I was ready to listen, and uh, and that God met me where I was, and my sponsor met me where I was. And I was ready. I was so, so ready. And it is a progressive disease. And now I do pass it on the way it was given to me. And, yeah, I've been getting a lot of calls from the vision for it. I'm so grateful to get some phone calls. And I can't wait till the convention comes so I can see all of you. But anyways, um, it's a deadly disease. In order for me to keep what I have... I have to give it away because I get reminded where I was in my life at one time, you know, and where I am today. So, you know, I, I'm much more patient today with people. I don't, you know, I'm not as pushy. I just listen um, and I, I'll just wrap it up. I just say, God, just show me the words. Show me what you want me to say. And then I just put it in God's hands. If they're meant to come or stay, it's, it's meant, if not, they'll come back another time. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, folks, now we're going to continue on this paragraph, and we're going to open up the floor for more sharing. Uh, who else Kathy? would like to share? Sally. Kathy. Sally. This is Jill. Larry. Larry. Janice. Janice M. I heard Janice M. Okay, so Leia. we're going to start up. And Leah. Uh, so Did we're going to start Nadia? off in this. I'm sorry? Nadia? Nadia? Yes, okay. from Toronto. So if, if we have time, we'll, we'll have you. We're going to start off with Kathy, Sally, Larry, Janice M, Leah M, and then Nadia. Okay, so we'll start off with Kathy. Kathy, you're up. Star, press star one. Okay, so we'll move on to Sally. <laughs> okay. Good morning, Du. Good morning, A Vision for You. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. It's so good to be here this morning. So this, this paragraph... Um, See your man alone if possible at first engage in general conversation. After a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking. Tell him enough. And then a few lines down it says, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit. But say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. You know why it tells us this, this instruction? Because if they knew 
run the other direction. I would run the other direction. I would much rather just have, I'd really rather hear something that was very temporary. I certainly wouldn't want to hear, you know, that this was going to be what my life looked like. I wasn't ready to hear that this is what my life was going to look like. So I love these words. Tell him enough. Give him a sketch. They're very powerful words, really. They And, and interesting, you know, my mother was a portrait painter, and um, so I grew up her. Everywhere she went, she carried a little sketch pad with her, and she would do these little black and white sketches. And my favorite mugs are actually black and white sketchy type of mugs because they remind me so much of my mom. And so when I think about give them a sketch, what I want to do is give them a very transparent-like picture. You know, don't flesh it out. Don't make it full color because it's just too much for me to tell them what my life has been like, how how I how I felt like I was in the ocean, how I felt like I was in the beginning of a Jaws movie. I was being attacked by a shark that I couldn't get away from, you know, and that I felt like truly like my life was in danger. Can I really explain how frightened I was, how post-traumatic stress syndrome I was? No, I, I don't want to tell them all of that. I want to tell them, you know, they tell us to use the humor and to tell these, these little stories, and, and yes, to help them identify in. For myself, I talk about my sisters and I and my mother and I and how we were like eating buddies because I, I figure if they really have what I have, they probably had eating buddies. I asked them, I don't know if you can identify with this. You know, I found that I couldn't eat normal. I either was binge, 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 binge until it was all gone. I had to eat everything in sight. I had to eat until I was stuffed, until I was knocked out even. Or... I just put myself on a fast and I didn't need anything. I was a very black and white. It was a very compulsive life. You know, it was this, this, this eating till I was stuffed or fasting and eating nothing because I didn't know if there was anything in between. That seems to be a common thread, this binge behavior um, that people seem to identify. And I could tell them about the, you know, hilarious stories of making tapioca pudding in the middle of the night, huge vats because I was so frustrated by these little three and four ounce servings that my parents used to give us. So I ate it until I was sick. I could talk about, you know, getting up in the middle of the night and opening up the freezer and, and pulling out the cheesecake that was being on deep freeze for Thanksgiving and taking out a blow dryer and, and, a, and a saw and chiseling off pieces of the cheesecake in the middle of the night with my sisters. I don't know if they would get that, but they seem to get this binge and then and some of them get the binge purge, but at least the binge and then the fasting because there's no in-between, there's no balanced sense of eating. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. We're going to move on to Larry, followed up by Janice M. Sue, thanks so much. Larry K. recovered uh, to post reader from Chicago. Um, you know, this, this this speaks, this paragraph to me speaks to identification. And, you know, when I came to the rooms, you know, I, I, I had to feel a sense of identification with other people. And, and I did, you know, I heard their stories. You know, I wasn't going to identify in with someone who was, uh, who was thin and who was, whose life was, was working, you know, tremendously well and, you know, who was um, just comfortable in their own skin, having good relationships, you know. I wouldn't identify with I, I would envy that person, but I sure as hell wouldn't have identified with them. 
No, I identify with people um, that had problems with relationships, that couldn't control their emotional nature much. That was me. That, you know, you know were, uh, you know, uh, heavy. Absolutely. Heavy emotionally, heavy physically. You know, I identify with people when the first time I heard someone talk about the way he used food. You know, he didn't eat some pizza. He described it as eating football fields of pizza. Somehow I could identify with that. I identified with the person who talked about going from one fast food, you know, drive through to another, you know, um, ordering pizza from different places, you know, for fear that, you know, someone would, would know that we're, you know, that, we, that we're ordering every night, you know, um, someone who would eat till they're sick. You know, that's the person that I identified with. And uh, so today, you know, when I, when I talk about those things, I remember what it was like. See, it's all, it's all in my journal. It's in my mind, too, but it's in my journals. And I remember and I share what it was like. And, you know, when people identify with that, then maybe they see the man today and they wonder, wow, that's quite a transformation. <laughs> you know, and that's what I say, too, you know, thanks for noticing God's handiwork. It's quite a transformation what God does for us as the result of working these steps. I was brought in alignment with God's will for me. It's a, it's a miracle. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And now we'll go on to Janice M. Well, thank you, Do, and good morning to everyone. Janice M. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, this, this paragraph is how to make a 12-step call. I mean, this is the... Uh, I may be that first uh, person, live person that, you know, um, comes out of OA that they're going to be talking to. I don't know. But, you know, the most important, the, the objective here for me, for me, when I talk to very gently to a newcomer, I want to kind of get them to speak about themselves. You know, by me telling my story just very briefly, just very generally, you know, hopefully there's something I can say that they will identify in. And then they will come back with, oh, yeah, right, did that too. You know, I can tell them, yeah, I couldn't stop my hand, you know, the food to my mouth, the food to my mouth, you know, but I couldn't stop. You know, maybe they can, you know, identify with that. How about the times that the various attempts I had to lose weight, you know, Weight Watchers, this, that. And they say, oh, yeah, I did that many a times. Yeah, I've been a, you know, a member going in and out, in and out. You know, there's identification there. Um, and, you know, as we get to, as I get to, the more I get them to listen, I mean, for me to listen, me, I'm the one that has to listen to them so that I can find out their background. Because we can tell a lot by a person by when they're talking and I'm listening. And then I can jump in. And then there's a camaraderie. Say, oh, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, I, you know, it's not nothing, nothing about how I stopped or how talk about what I did. And yeah, I do have some a humorous story of the time that you know uh, the ice cream was out in um, Weight Watchers, and they said it was in this another state. And guess what I did? I went all the way up to that state to get that ice cream. And on the way home, I went to get it out of the car, and it was all melted. <laughs> and they laugh because maybe they did something like that. And, you know, then they, then they can identify with me. You know, um, 
that's how we get to know. You know, I went to any lengths to get my food, you know, um, and hopefully, you know, and some disgusting eating stories, too. But the, the whole thing was I was not able to stop. I start, I stop, I stop. Oh, yeah, they'd say, how many times I did the same thing? So that's how I, you know, begin it, begin it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Janice. Um, Leah, um, you'll be up next, and you'll be our last share for today. Thanks so much, Stu. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Yeah, so uh, the big book is giving very clear instructions as to how to go about this 12-step work. And these instructions were based on experience. It says, um, you know, encourage him to speak of himself. If he wishes to talk, let him do so. You will thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. This is a very skilled technique. I mean, you'll you'll notice, um, you know, as the paragraphs continue on the next few pages, the noose gets a little bit tighter. Because <laughs> what we're aiming to do is produce a crisis in this prospect, unbeknownst to them, by relating the seriousness of my own experience. It's like slowly turning the screws. There's no pressure. My tone is friendly. Um, I'm you know, sharing myself and my story, not the drama of my life, just the slow uh, progression of my illness where eating started off fun. You know, it just started off fun. And then slowly, uh, well, in my case, it wasn't so slow, but, you know, the progression began and the noose began to tighten around my neck. I don't want to say too much that it's like, them sipping from a fire hose. You know what I mean? I'm, all I'm doing is beginning to disturb them about their compulsive overeating through sharing my story. It says here it's a sketch. Give them a sketch of your drinking career. So it's a rough drawing. It's a rough outline. I'm not bringing out all my heavy-duty stories of my binging, um, you know, that are extreme, or my bulimia or my anorexia. I'm not doing that yet unless I get a little piece of information from them. That's why it says if he wishes to talk, let him do so. Because my analogy is, you know, you're putting a worm on the hook, you cast it out, and then slowly I'm drawing them in. As they reveal themselves, then if there's something that I can share that relates to that piece of information that I've learned, then I will bring that out. And I'm developing a bridge. It's a bridge of communication. This is who I am. I'm a real compulsive overeater. This has been my experience. And slowly as I gain information from them, I slowly can turn the, you know, turn the rod, the, the handle on that rod. It is a very specific technique because I'm trying to uh, express human understanding and trust and bring them closer to me. It's very tactful. We're talking about a human being. This is not a uh, commission here. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to gain another uh, notch here on my uh, experience resume. This is about a human being who's suffering. How can I help them? How can I draw them closer? And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. 
Thank you so much, Leah. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Um, thank you to Team Friday. Thank you to all my readers, uh, Sarah W., Melanie C., Kathy W., Terry H. And um, we're going to be closing up the meeting. And I will have, um, I don't know if Suji is around, but if she's not, I, I'm going to have Melanie C. closes up with a vision for you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon again. Thank you so much. 164, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.